This is Love Marriage Again with Dr. Siobhan, the place where wives are empowered to embrace their marriage and feel completely in love with their husbands again. If you are a wife looking to create a happier marriage by transforming yourself, you've come to the right place. Here you will be inspired to fully accept your husband, be in control of your own happiness, and create a marriage that truly lights you up inside. Now, let's get to the work of loving your marriage again. Well, hello there. It is Dr. Siobhan. How are you? Welcome back to another podcast episode. Thank you so much for joining me today. We're going to be talking about midlife. And this podcast episode is going to be very personal. I'm going to share with you some of the things I am noticing about this stage of my life. And it comes on the heels of my birthday. So I just celebrated my 46th birthday. And it's so interesting. I had the thought this morning that I remember when I was in my 30s, believing that when I turned 40, like all of a sudden things would be magically resolved in my life, right? Like all of the inner workings of my emotions and my thoughts and all of that stuff would just get cleared up and I'd enter my 40s so confident, so grounded, so self-assured and feeling like a million bucks. And to some degree, that happened. I would say like in my early 40s, that was close to my experience. And now that I've just turned 46, it's not. (laughs) So I don't think they tell you how up and down things are. And as I thought about some of the things that just keep bumping around in my own head. Some of the things I have to be very intentional to work through. I wanted to share them with you. I pride myself in my friendship circles as being the friend that will tell you how it really is. So if you're pregnant or if you're about to get married or any of those major life transitions, I am the person that is not going to sugarcoat it for you. And I'm going to tell you the God honest truth about the glory and the agony of some of those life transitions. And so I want to do the same here today as I feel really much more grounded in the reality that I am midlife, right? So some of the things that I'm going to share may surprise you. I think there is this idea that as coaches, we have everything together. We are immune to some of the things that you struggle with and that we have somehow arrived and overcome 
the limiting beliefs, the thoughts, and all the things that our very primitive brains offer us. And today I want to lift back the curtain and lift the veil of some of the things that happen in my own brain that quite honestly, at this stage and age in my life, I didn't think I would be dealing with. And so we're going to have a conversation today that's like the God honest truth of what it's like for some people. And I say that, right? Like some people, me, (laughs) I'll just be honest there. This is me. And I want to share this vulnerably because I know that if it's me, it's also you, right? It's also you in some way, shape, or form. And so as you listen and engage in this conversation with me in your head, I want it to just feel like we're just gathering together to have a talk. And whether you consider yourself midlife or not, I still think you'll relate to this because much of the things that are popping up for me and feel heavy inside my mind, inside my heart, inside my body, are things that I know are just part of the human experience. They're not unique to me and they're not unique to you. And I think sometimes as a leader in this work, as a mentor and a coach to so many of you, It's important that I share these things so that you can normalize your own experience and also know what to do. Because I think that is the difference, that some of the things that pop up for me, I don't go into despair about them. I don't freeze up and become immobilized by them. I feel very confident that I know what to do. And so I want to leave you with some of the tools that I am personally using to help me navigate through the things that are going on in my brain, right? So I came up with a list of five specific issues, concerns, things that I have just been noticing for myself. And I'll share the list and then I'll speak a little bit more about each one of them. One is self-loathing. Two is comparison. Three is anxiety. Four is body image issues. And five is inner child triggers. Are you ready? I know this is heavy, (laughs) right? And I'll start with self-loathing. And it's something that I remember actually a podcast episode by one of my mentors, Brooke Castillo of the Life Coach School. She has an episode just titled Self-Loathing. And I remember listening to that years and years ago and sort of filing it away. And now I get it to a whole new level. There's a part of me that's like, I need to go back and listen to that episode again. And I think probably around the time that she recorded it, she was about this age. But when I use the term self-loathing, it is for me the experience of like my brain attacking 
my soul, right? Where it's like, there are all these thoughts about what's wrong with me and where I'm not yet in my life and how I'm not fulfilled in the ways that maybe I expected I would be and should be. And I want to say this with with the thought and the knowing that all of these things are completely irrational, right? Like when I look at my life and when I am the true essence of who I am, I am massively fulfilled in my life. I have created the exact life that I wanted, right? I wake up, no alarm. Every single morning I wake up, I get my kids to school, I come home and exercise, I eat breakfast, I journal, I have a lot of open time to myself, I take naps in the middle of the day to rest, I coach clients that literally light my soul on fire. I love the work that I do. It is my purpose in this world right now. I am so certain of that. And yet, my human brain sometimes feels like it just hasn't caught up with that. And it will deliver all these just bad thoughts about myself. And again, I'm sharing this because if your brain does the same, nothing is wrong with you, right? This is what brains do sometimes. And what I know as a coach is that a lot of times the thoughts that our brains deliver to us are just regurgitating either things that were spoken to us, over us, by other people, and their own wounding, their own limitations, their own lack of self-awareness. And so I am able to put some distance between it, but it still weighs on me, right? Like what your brain thinks has an impact on your experience as you move about your day. And I'm going to share with you how I navigate that, right? So that's one. Number two is comparison. So as a successful, high-achieving person, I am also surrounded by many successful, high-achieving people. And so I already know that my brain likes to compare to others. It's just what it likes to do. And I've been feeling this a lot at this stage and age of my life where I have accomplished so much. I am so proud of myself. I am so proud of just showing up to literally create this business, to do this work. And also, I encounter other people who are doing other meaningful, valuable work in the world who, in my opinion, are farther ahead down the road than me, whether it's their influence, whether it's their notoriety, whether it's the income that they make. And so I am feeling and having the experience of comparing myself 
to other people, which then creates the experience of feeling like what I've accomplished and done is not enough. Also, very irrational when you look at the facts, right? I am a female entrepreneur with a business that is thriving, right? Eight years doing this work. And yet I see someone who may be doing it for shorter or making more money or having more speaking engagements, you name it. And my brain wants to tell me that I'm not successful. It's just producing those thoughts. Let's talk about anxiety. Now, I never truly considered myself an anxious person until a couple of things. One, when my husband and I first got married, our apartment was broken into. So that immediately created what I believe is really a post-traumatic stress response. Um, I'm the one that came home by myself late to find the home in uh, disarray. So there's that. And then the birth of my two children. And I think nowadays there is much more conversation about postpartum anxiety It's not something I'd ever heard of at the time when I had children. I knew about postpartum depression, but even that, quite frankly, nine years ago was not really talked about to the degree that it is now. And so what I have noticed about myself is that I experience anxiety thoughts related to safety and like just safety for me, for my well-being, for my children's well-being when I'm not in their presence. And I had the beautiful opportunity to go to a book tour um, for one of my favorite authors, Lisa Turkhurst of Proverb 31 Ministries. Some of you may be very familiar with her. So I went to her book tour and there was a part of me that didn't want to leave my kids and my family. I was like, I don't want to go. What if something happens to me? And I remember praying a lot for my safety because it was, you know, over an hour away. It was later in the evening and I would be getting home very late. And I remember just marking each milestone, right? Okay, well, I've made it there safely. So I'm going to be okay. Or like I, the event is over. Now I'm on my way home, right? Like every milestone, just reminding myself and calming my brain down that like I was going to make it home. I was going to be okay. All would be well in the world. And I think right now there are many things contributing to the sort of like underlying anxiety that I experience in my brain and my body. We have had multiple losses in my um, friendship circle and my husband's family just recently experienced a loss as well, our family, because his family is my family. And so like death and passing and people no longer being here that you love and that you care about is very heavy on my mind. And so... I can understand it, right, intellectually, 
and then I still feel it, right? And maybe anxiety comes up like that for you as well, where you know technically there's no cause for alarm, everyone's well, yet you're catastrophizing a little bit. You're painting these worst case scenarios. Let's talk about the body image. I mentioned this earlier on, maybe not last podcast, but the one about being vulnerable. I think it was just a small piece where I talked about body image. And so I've shared many times on this podcast before that I'm carrying like 40 extra pounds than (laughs) I would like. And I vacillate with how I feel about it. There was a stage probably two or three years ago where I loved being this size and I felt very body positive. And now I'm struggling with that more. Now it's sort of like I've been trying to lose weight and things haven't clicked the way that they clicked 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And so the weight is not coming off with the small changes that I'm making. And also, I don't want to be on a diet. I don't want to have a complete overhaul where I have to follow all these rules and try to eat in a way and live in a way that's just not sustainable for me. And so I recognize that I have to be more patient with the process given where my body is and also given the level of extreme that I'm willing or unwilling rather to go through to lose the weight. And in the meantime, my work is definitely finding what I feel is beautiful and attractive about me at this weight with also acne. (laughs) I'm getting more acne now than I probably have had even as a teenager. And my hair is not quite graying yet, but it's like more wiry, right? Some of you may know what I'm talking about, but it just feels like it's not as like moisturized and I have to like do more to get it just looking vibrant and healthy. So I'm not looking like myself, right? I'm not looking like the version of myself that I used to be. And being midlife, I also have to reckon with the fact that I'm not going to, (laughs) right? I'm not interested in having cosmetic surgery or doing anything to my body. And so there is a part of this that is just an honest transition of like, this is what you have right now. Like, this is your body. This is your skin. This is your hair. And I'm in the process of radically accepting that. But I'm not there yet. And there are many times when I pass by the mirror with no makeup on and, you know, in my pajamas with, you know, ladies, the the droopies, right? And I'm unhappy with the appearance, right? Now, I'm not sharing this with you all to like, get pity. I'm not sharing it with you all for you to like write me and give me resources or anything of the sort. I'm just sharing like my real human experience. Because 
I feel like the more that I can just be honest about the things in my own head, the more it gives you permission to do the same. And I think having a common experience with other people is so healing and so helpful. And then the last thing that I want to talk about are inner child triggers. I have always had a heart for children, like little children. Like when I see kids walking to school or like I see kids walking by themselves, like something inside of my heart happens. And I have two small children, right? My daughter is eight. My son is six. And there are so many times when I see myself in my daughter to the point where it's scary sometimes, where I feel like I'm parenting her the way I wanted and needed to be parented, whether she needs it or not, (laughs) right? So many people in my life have told me, like, she's not you. Like, she doesn't have the exact childhood experiences that you had. This may not be an issue for her. So let it be, right? And I want to, one, underscore the value of just doing inner child work. It's something that I am amping up more and more in my practice, and it literally creates so many breakthroughs for people. But what I'm finding is that as she is reminding me more of me at that age, I am having more triggers, right? Things that my husband does or says, like, impact me in a different way because I am constantly in the state of thinking about eight-year-old Siobhan and what she was feeling and what she needed and how she maybe needed to be loved and she wasn't, right? And so that's okay, right? This isn't like a time to like be upset with my parents. They did the best that they could and they were amazing in so many ways, And also there were gaps, right? There were gaps in my emotional needs that I'm hypersensitive to now, both for me and how I am loved in my marriage, and also how my daughter is loved by my husband, right? So all of this is happening for me (laughs) right now. And there are many, many good days and many, many amazing days. And it's so interesting. I thought about like, so I really want to share this because I also know that this is just like a season and a phase. And like next week, I could just be in total Zen mode, which I have been. But I was like, no, this is a snapshot. And I want to also present it to you as a snapshot. I know that these things will come and go, they will pass, and they will stay, both. And that's okay. I'm here for all of it. And there will be times when the heat of them is turned really low, and I don't think about it at all. And then there will be times when the heat is really high. And it's interesting because you know, so many people have been sending me birthday wishes and sharing like, well, I hope you had the best birthday ever, and I hope you celebrated And yes, I did. And also all of these things came with me in those celebrations, every single one of them this past weekend. And that's okay too. 
So I want to offer you how I deal with these things, with the self-loathing, the comparison, the anxiety, the body image issues, and the inner child triggers. And I wanted to break them up into two parts. One part is how I deal with them in terms of my mindset, and then how I deal with them in terms of tactical, tangible strategies. So for the mindset piece, there are three things that I do. One is... I separate myself from the experience that my brain is having. What that means is I experience these thoughts that produce these emotions, but I am not these thoughts and I am not these emotions. So I would never say to myself, I am a self-loather. I am a person that compares, right? It's like, no, I have thoughts of comparison, I would not say I'm an anxious person. I say I have the experience of anxiety. I feel anxious thoughts, right? Or I feel anxious in my body. So it's important that you not allow whatever things are coming up for you to define your identity. These are thoughts and beliefs and patternings in your brain that are just producing a set of thoughts. And what's great about when you recognize that, like it doesn't define who you are as a person, you then have the opportunity to choose what you want to think, right? So if I know my brain is producing these self-loathing thoughts, but that's not who I am at my essence, right? To, to bring God into this, right? Like I know that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. So these thoughts are not the truth. And when I can separate them based on knowing this is just what my human brain is outputting, that it puts me back in control and in the driver's seat of how I think about myself and how I identify myself, right? And these things can coexist at the same time. It's so funny because even today, before I started seeing clients, I was in this like spiral of self-loathing. And then I coached my first client and I was like, oh my gosh, I am a freaking amazing coach. It was such a powerful session. And I was like, this is who I am. I am a powerful coach. So if you want to use an I am identity statement, let it be an empowered one. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, when it comes to my mindset, I consciously decide to own my emotions and to own my experience and not to make someone else, namely my husband, responsible for how I'm feeling. So if I'm having body image issues, believe me, what my brain delivers is like, you need to complain to your husband about how he doesn't compliment you enough. But I know how I feel about my appearance has nothing to do with his compliments or not. It has everything to do with what I think about myself, whether I'm complimenting myself or not. And so when you own your own emotions and experience, you get out of blaming someone else and you get out of needing them to show up or say specific things to make you feel better. And then the last thing that I wanted to offer by way of mindset is I neutralize 
and accept this experience as part of what comes with being a human being. I'm in a state of non-resistance. When I was having the self-loathing thoughts this morning, I did some mindset work and it wasn't sticking. I wasn't really believing in my core these thoughts that I knew were actually true about me. And so instead of trying to like fight my brain, I just decided, oh, this is what I get today. This is what I'm going to carry with me. I'm going to carry this feeling in my body and I knew exactly where it was. I'm going to carry this feeling in my body and that is okay, right? I didn't have to do anything about it. I didn't have to sit there hours and hours trying to force myself to think differently. It could just be there and that was fine. So that's the mindset. And then tactically, how I deal with it, I have been really slowing down. I've been putting less on my plate, although the past couple of weeks, not as much because I've had my birthday, we've had, we have a vacation coming up, and I also have the retreat for the marriage upgrade. So right now, these weeks, that's not accurate. But I would say for the majority of this year already, for January and February, I have been so intentional to slow down and not push myself. And if I need a rest and I need a nap, I take a rest and I take a nap. So that's number one. I have been also really having some vulnerable conversations with friends, right? Like this conversation I'm having with you now, I've had in some way, shape or form with some of my very close friends who get it, right? I have been limiting my social media exposure. And the way that I do that is I either mute people, I either don't go on as often, I just go in to check my notifications and do what I have to do, or I intentionally fill my newsfeed with things that inspire me and help me to feel better after I've consumed it. And when I notice myself seeing things on social media that make me think that my life isn't as good as it is, that's a sign to click out and move on to something else. I have been reading a lot and studying on these topics. I, right now, I'm reading a book called Killing Comparison by Nona Jones, and it's a great book. I highly recommend it. She is a Christian author, and so if that's your vibe or you can appreciate the spiritual aspect of some of these emotional struggles we deal with, I highly recommend this book, Killing Comparison. I also have a team of professionals that help me. And it's important that you know that, right? Like as a coach, I am a consumer of this work because I believe in it and I see the value in it. So I have coaches, I have therapists, I have a team of people that I can turn to to address all of the things that come up in my brain and impact my emotions so that I can be well and operate well and serve you well, right? I pray and I meditate. And I know 
a lot of times I remember when I first discovered like meditation, I made it be this like really big deal of like, you have to empty your mind and you have to sit in silence and you have to like do it perfectly. For me, sometimes meditation is just listening to instrumental music and like thinking intentional thoughts. Or sometimes it's listening to instrumental music and just focusing on the music and not focusing on my thoughts. So I like to broaden the definition of like prayer and meditation as just connecting with God or whatever you want to call it, right? It's just being still and communing and expressing yourself and sharing what's on your mind and sharing what's on your heart and receiving insight and wisdom. And I do that a lot. And I also exercise. So you've probably heard me talk on this podcast. I made a commitment to myself years and years ago that I would do at least 20 minutes a day on our treadmill. Like 20 minutes, I can find 20 minutes walking on the treadmill. I don't have to break a sweat. And I do that. I do that regularly. And it is not a weight loss thing for me to exercise. It is a let's get some endorphins pumping in my body. This is for my mental health. So exercise and moving my body is an act of emotional self-care for me. So that's what I'm doing. And I want to close this out with just again, like, this is part of the human experience. And I'm here for it. My life is amazing. I am so grateful. When I woke up on my birthday, I just spent time thanking God for all of the blessings and everything that I have been and represented in these 46 years of life. I was so, so grateful for it. And I still am. And so I want to just be an example for you that you can be massively grateful for your life. You can have amazing and incredible things that other people might look at and be like, her life is it, and also have these other things happening inside your brain. And if that's you, nothing is going wrong. You are just a human being on this earth having a human experience. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I am excited about what this next year of my life will bring. And I look forward to sharing other episodes like this in the future with you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day, week, and I will see you Actually, I won't see you, obviously. This is a podcast. I will speak with you next week. Bye for now. Now, if you loved this episode, you will want to download a free resource I created called 13 Beliefs to Hold On to When Marriage Gets Tough. Download it at bit.ly forward slash 13 Marriage Beliefs. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash 13 marriage beliefs. And of course, I will be back with you next week. Until then, commit to loving your marriage again.